Good morning. How are we? Man, it is awesome to see you guys here this morning after not getting to meet last week. Uh, Shawnee Mission School Districts makes, makes the decision to shut down schools last week on Friday because of the weather. And so um, glad that uh, we're back together this week and get to be in the presence of the Lord, right? In this awesome place. And uh, thank you, team, for leading us out in that. That was awesome. And uh, just enjoyed that. Um, so are we, are we thawed out yet? Like, have you thawed out this morning from coming inside? Uh, it's been a, a crazy morning for us. Like, this is one of those mornings where you're like, man, mobile church is fun. Uh, the doors were frozen on the truck when I got there. And so me and Doug Rushing at our Shawnee campus were yanking on those, trying to get them open. We finally found a can of de-icer, hosed that whole door down, and we got in. And then we get here, and the locks are frozen, and the trailer, like Chad and I had to bust open the trailer. It was a great morning, but we're here, and we're ready, right? And so excited to see just what the Lord is going to do this morning. And uh, as we're walking through this series called Believe, all right? And we're walking through this book that was written by Randy Frazee. Um, who is now currently actually in Kansas City at Westside. And so cool to have him in town. He used to live in San Antonio, but now he's here. And uh, so we're walking through this book over the next several weeks. And with that, all right, hopefully you've been reading along through that book, had some time and found some time to do that. You're not going to be lost this morning, I want you to understand, if you haven't read the book, all right? But we want to encourage you as kind of a supplement to what we're teaching on Sunday mornings, maybe to grab one of those and to walk through that book with us, okay? But since we missed last week, here's what I want to do. I want to spend just a few minutes talking about what we did, we're going to talk about last week, okay? And you can also go on the Facebook page, New City Church Miriam, and watch just a little kind of sermonette snippet that I did about what we talked about last week, okay? Kind of the shortened version of that. And, um, and you can kind of catch up if you want, okay? But here's, here's kind of how we're walking through this. Each week we have kind of a statement that we're going to make as a church, and hopefully as an individual, right, of what we trust and believe about the Lord, okay? And so week one, our statement was this, I believe that the God of the Bible is the one true God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, all right? So that was our statement. I believe the God of the Bible is the only true God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So here's the thing. All right. We talked about also this idea of asking good questions, okay, and asking good questions to get good answers. And so the question was not necessarily, is there a God? But the question was, who is God? Because as we talked about, 8%, okay, worldwide, only 8% have an atheistic view. So that means 92% believe in a God of some kind. Now, that doesn't mean 92% believe in the God of the Bible, right? But they believe in a God of some kind. But yet we have over 4,200 different religions that are known across the world. So we've got plenty of options. So when we talk about the God of the Bible being the one true God, how then is it that we know he is? And one of those things that we looked at last week was the idea that he shows us proof in the promises kept and the power that he shows. Right, The promise is kept and the power that he shows. So, we're going to ask another question this week. Okay, The question was, who is God last week? Here's the question this week. Does God care about me? Okay, Does God care about me? And what we're going to talk about is going to build a little bit on that idea of the one true God. 
Okay? So does God care about me? Now, this past week, we've had a terrible time with our washing machine. And it hadn't been working. And this past week, I had an awesome opportunity to sit down with the repairman. And so he comes in. He didn't know it was coming. But he comes in, right? And he has to run a cycle on our washing machine, like a short cycle, the speed cycle. So he's, he's like, I'm going to have to sit here for about 15 minutes. And I'm like, oh, yeah, you are. Right? It's like an airplane. Like, you're trapped. You can't go anywhere, right? So he sits down, and we start, and he's about to pull out his phone, right? Because he's just going to play a game or something and sit there for 15 minutes. And I just started engaging him in conversation. And I got to know him. And his name's Omar. He's a great guy. He lives over in Raytown. Well, you know where that led to. Okay, hey, let me tell you a little something. He asked, what do you do? And I said, well, I'm a pastor. And I said, it's really cool that you actually mentioned Raytown because we have a campus that we're about to open over in Raytown. And he's like, oh, okay. And I'm like, oh, he's kind of interested. And then he says this. He says, well, I believe there's a God. Okay, so that goes back to what we talked about, 92%. But I don't ever connect with him. Right? So I believe there's a God, but I don't ever connect with him. And so I got the opportunity to share a little bit about like kind of what we're walking through, but also kind of what we're going to walk through this morning, right? This idea of connecting with God. Now, here's the thing. I don't know what your picture of God is this morning, all right? How you view God. Now, I just, for fun, put it in the Google machine this past week, right? God and the pictures that pop up, and right? Some of them are these very ornate, very formal, very, you know, uh, fatherly pictures, if you will. Some of them are just a bright light on the, on the picture, and that's how it's described as God. But I don't know how you look at God, but here's how most people look at God. God is just this high authority sitting on his throne with his mighty scepter or whatever, right? And he's just overlooking the things that are going on. And maybe even you have this idea or this view of deism where you say, okay, God created everything, but now he's just kind of taking his hand off of it and he lets things go as they go. So when we ask the question, does God care about me? We kind of go, well, you know, he's just this big thing up there that I don't really understand or know. But what we're going to look at this morning is, no, no, he is one that loves you and loves you for you and who you are, but he loves you deeply and intimately. Like in the daily workings of your life, God's hand is in and on those things. Because here's the deal. As we walk through this series, one of the most important things is this, is our image of God, our view of God and who he is. So here we go. This is our first kind of I believe statement for this morning, okay? It's this. I believe God is involved in and cares about my daily life, okay? I believe God is involved in and cares about my daily life. Life. Now let's, let's walk through what we've talked about first in week one. Okay, We talked about who is God. And in that we saw Deuteronomy 6. Okay, The Lord your God is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. These commands I give to you. But then we see Jesus repeat that later in the New Testament. Right? To love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And he says this is the greatest commandment. So here's the thing. If this is the greatest commandment that we are given, but yet God is not an intimate God, isn't that an odd thing for him to ask? Like, I want you to be deeply relational with me, be intimate with me, but I'm not going to be with you. You see the disconnect there? 
right? There's a great disconnect there. But the statement we're making is this. I believe God is involved in and cares about my daily life. Now again, I don't know what your view of God is and I don't know where you are this morning, right? Because this past week or this past month or even this past year, you could have asked our key question without the book. Like, does God care about me? Do you care about me, Lord? Or you may have been in a place even where you're like, where are you, Lord? Like, I feel like I'm talking to you, but I don't feel like there's anything coming back my direction. And when we read verses that were like in the Believe book, like James chapter 1, where it says this, it says, One who desires, oh, excuse me, I missed it. Blessed are those who persevere under trials, because having stood the test, this person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised. And you're sitting there going, all right, if trials get me a crown, where is my crown? Bring it. Put it on this head. Right? Like, that's how my week or my month or my year has been. Lord, do you even care? But look here. He greatly cares. He greatly cares about us. Okay? So, as you were reading this past week in your book, in chapter 2, we see story after story after story of the Lord and how he is intimately in the relationship with these individuals. Abraham and Sarah, Hagar, Hezekiah, Jeremiah. We read all of those stories and how this intimate God plays into the story of their lives. Now, here's the thing. God has this desire to pursue us. Right? He has this desire to pursue us and he chases after us and in that he does in fact care for us. Okay, And so this morning, again, I don't know what your picture of God is, but here's how I'd like for you to picture him this morning is as a shepherd would be to his sheep. Okay, As a shepherd would be to his sheep. Now, if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Psalm 23. Okay, And we read through this again this past week in our book as well in page 34. Or on page 34. And don't you love how that book is like 90% scripture? Right? Like it's all scripture. And it says, okay, you read this and you take that into your heart and then you develop what you believe. Now, Psalm 23, okay, is written by a fellow by the name of David. Now, here's the cool thing about David. All right? David was at one point a shepherd and then David moved to being a king. And what he writes in Psalm 23 is the idea of his God, who is intimately in his relationship with him, moving from a shepherd in his life to a king of his life. And so as he's giving this description here, there's no one better than David to go, well, this is what a shepherd does, right? Like he's giving the perfect example. Like as he's writing these words, he's like, this is what I did for my sheep. And this is what the Lord does for me. All right? So let's begin there in chapter uh, 23, verse 1. It says, the Lord is my shepherd. Now we're going to stop right there. Because we could do a whole sermon on that little phrase. The Lord is my shepherd. We're not gonna, I'm not going to do that to you this morning. Okay? But here's the thing. There's a couple things. If you're taking notes, there's a couple things just in that little phrase that stick out here. Okay? The Lord is my shepherd. The first is this. David adds the my. Right? He's my shepherd. He doesn't say he's the shepherd. He says he's my shepherd. So he is guiding David's life. The cool thing is this. When he, he is guiding David's life, guess what? He can guide your life. He can guide your life. He can guide your life. He can be your shepherd. Okay. The next thing is this. As David's writing, he's also thinking about the shepherd's responsibility to care and guide his sheep. 
right? There's a Russian proverb that says this, without a shepherd, sheep are not truly a flock, right? You must have the shepherd over the sheep to guide and to lead them. And then the third one, he also affirms that God has control on his life because a shepherd or the sheep follow the shepherd. The shepherd doesn't follow the sheep, Right? The shepherd doesn't go, okay, sheep, lead me where you should go. No, the shepherd leads them. Okay, so let's continue on. The Lord is my shepherd. There is nothing I lack. He lets me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He renews my life, and he leads me along the right paths for his name's sake. So what does the scripture say? Well, look here. These are promises. Right? These are promises that are written to us. Scripture is a promise written to you. So last week we talked about the promises kept. Right? These are promises given to you. And so here we have these promises that he gives us in the scriptures. Okay? The first one is this. He guides us. Okay? The Lord guides us. Now, I don't know if you know this, but sheep are not terribly smart. Sheep often wander off and just go where they go. They might be eating grass and then they wander into even a hole or a thicket or something along those lines. So what do they need? They need someone to come and to rescue them and pull them out of that hole or out of that thicket or out of that place that they brought them. And when trouble comes their way, the first thing they do is they dart. Like, that's smart, clever. They just take off. But here's the thing. They need a shepherd. But what does the shepherd do? Again, he restores and rescues them. Okay, here's the next one that, he th- that we see here. He provides for us, okay? He provides for us. So he not only keeps them out of trouble, but he provides the things that they need for them, right? He takes care of the sheep. He gives them what they need. But here's the thing for us that we can read in that scripture is that he provides for us as well. In our sorrow, in our grief, in our struggle, in our pain, he is there and providing for us, all right? The next one is this, is that he renews us. All right? He renews us because look what David writes here in the scripture. He writes it a couple times. He renews my life. But how then does he renew us? Well, look at verse 2. He lets me lie down in green pastures and he leads me beside quiet waters. Okay? Now, here's the thing about the Bible. Those words aren't in there just for fun, right? Those words are there for a purpose. So look here green pastures, it's not rocky pastures. It's not crunchy, dry grass pastures. It is green, lush, soft pastures for these sheep to go and to find rest, right? So he renews us. How does he renew us? He renews us with a place of rest. But then also look what he says, quiet waters. He doesn't say rough waters, right? Quiet waters. Why? So the sheep can go up to the water, take a drink, and find refreshment. You see, the shepherd cares for his sheep, He refreshes and he restores. And the quiet waters speak of his care. All right? Now, here's the thing. What keeps us, I mean, this sounds awesome, right? Like, this is good stuff that he cares for us, that he guides us, all those things. But here's the deal. What causes us from recognizing God's presence in our lives? Because we read that and we're like, man, that's awesome. That sounds good. But what is it that keeps us from recognizing that? Well, The junk starts happening, right? Things come up in our lives. Tough things start coming up in our lives. I don't think rarely when things are good, I sit there and go, Lord, where are you? Do you hear me? It's when things are tough, right? It's when things are heavy 
that we actually begin to doubt and question where he is. And you're like, okay, that's, that's great. I hear the promises, right? Like I hear the promises that we read this past week. Psalm 139, excuse me, good gravy. Psalm 139, Psalm 145, Romans 8, like all things work together for good. Like I'm hearing these promises that the Lord is giving me, but I've got all this stuff going on in my life and I'm not sure I can handle it. That's when we start to put the questioning in place. Lord, where are you? Where is your presence? What does this mean? But here's the thing. Consider some of the dark paths of your life. Like the dark places you have gone. Where you're struggling or maybe asking that question, does the Lord care about me? And here's the thing about it. It's usually something we can't do anything about. Right? We in ourselves can't do anything about about it like like for instance i have a relationship on the verge of collapse or work is too much like it's terrible i don't know what to do about it or i've got this diagnosis for my life or my family member has now this diagnosis these things are going on in my family member's life or these things are going on in my life and i'm not sure that i can handle them and we read those promises but here's the thing that i want to ask you how often do we rest in those promises Right, Because he says here, look, he lets me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He rests and refreshes us. But how often do we do that? Because listen to these words. Maybe you even want to close your eyes as I read these. Okay, Oh Lord, you have examined my heart and know everything about me. You know when I sit down or when I stand up. You know my thoughts even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home. And you know everything I do. You know what I'm going to say even before I say it, Lord. You go before me and follow me. You place your hand of blessing on my head. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too great for me to understand. And I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I go down to the grave, you are there. If I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell by the farthest oceans, even there your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. I could ask the darkness to hide me and the light around me to become night, but even in darkness I cannot hide from you. To you the night shines as bright as the day. Darkness and light are the same to you. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and you knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as, a, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. And you saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. How precious are your thoughts about me, O oh God. They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. And when I wake, you are still with me. Does that sound like a God that doesn't want to have a relationship with you? Does that sound like a God that doesn't want to in any way intimately connect with you? You see, here's the thing. It's in our intimacy, it's in our relationship with him that we find connection and courage. Right? Like as Paul writes here in Psalm 23, he never 
leaves us. Like he never steps away from us. And as we're about to read here in verse 4, even when we walk through the darkest of valleys, he goes through it with us. He doesn't go, well, good luck. No, he walks through it with us. Because look what it says. Verse 4. Even when I go through the darkest valley, I fear no danger, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. They comfort me. And so he walks through that with this idea of protection and comfort in the darkest moments of our lives. He is there. And you might question it, but the cool thing is that he is walking through that with you. Like he is right there holding on to you. Because look what happens in verse 5. Because verse 5 becomes a verse of celebration. Victory. Like we've gone through the darkness, but now we're about to step into victory. Because look what he says. He says, you prepared a table before me in the presence of my enemies, and you anoint my head with oil, and my cup overflows. Only goodness and faithful love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord as long as I live. You see, here's the thing. You are sitting in celebration with now, once your shepherd, now your king. You're sitting at his table. You've gone through the darkest valley, but he has now brought you in and given you a seat at the table. In his presence. And here's the thing, the promise that he gives us here, is that the enemies are going to be sitting there watching. As you feast with your king. Once your shepherd, now your king, right? And his security that he gave us as a shepherd is now as a king ruling his kingdom. And we're sitting with him there, and the enemies do not have a seat. They don't have a seat. And as he continues on, he says this He says, You anoint my head with oil, and my cup overflows right my cup overflows what does that show us that shows us that as we're sitting at this table there is abundance present there is abundance there for us it is overflowing in a way that we cannot imagine but that all sounds great right but we got to go back to our original question does God care about me look at verse 6 Only goodness and faithful love will pursue me all the days of my life. And you're like, well, you don't know what I'm going through. There's no goodness there. There's no faithful love there. But look what he says. Only goodness and faithful love will pursue me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord as long as I live. You see, here's the thing. His goodness and his mercy, they come after us. And they'll be there for all of our lives. The goodness that he talks about, okay? Over in John chapter 10, Jesus begins to talk about these same things of being the good shepherd. But look what he says. He says, a thief comes to kill and destroy, but I have come to give you life, right? I have come to give you life. And then he says, and I am the terrible shepherd. Is that what he says? No, he says, I am the good shepherd, 
I'm the good shepherd. Well, what does a good shepherd do? Well, a good shepherd takes care of his sheep. He doesn't send them out into roaring waters. He doesn't send them out into rocky pasture. He cares for them. Now, goodness is flowing from him. But then also that faithful love that he talks about. What's a faithful love? Well, a faithful love is a never-ending love. A faithful love is a loyal love that never ends, right? And so ultimately, here's what he's saying. As long as you have breath in your lungs and a heartbeat that's going, he will be there and be involved and caring for you in your daily life. Here's the thing. His relationship in eternity is going to be greater than anything he's experienced in his life. It's going to carry through, right? So here's the thing. How does that look for us? Well, here's what it looks like for us. When the junk in our lives comes against us, we can know that he is standing right next to us. He is ever present, right? He will not disappoint us or hurt us, but he walks with us and he provides the things that we need as a sheep. So does he care for us? Absolutely he does. Absolutely he does. Because why? Because the Lord is my Shepherd, And I hope that today and the rest of this week and when the junk starts coming your way, you can proclaim that in your life. He is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. And here's the other thing. Like if that's not the case for you today, then I pray that the Holy Spirit just works in your heart today. That today be the day that you begin that process, that conversation with the Lord of, okay, what does it look like for you to be the shepherd of my life? And if you're in a place that you're like, I don't know what that looks like. There's people here that would love to talk to you about that. Right? We would love to talk to you about that. In fact, I'm going to be back here in the table in the back. I'd love to talk to you about that. What does it look like for the Lord to be shepherd and leader and guide of our life? All right? And I hope that also we can proclaim, I believe that God is involved in and cares about my daily life. Okay? Let me pray for us as we continue on. So, Father, we thank you so much that you love us and care for us as a father. But, Father, we also thank you that you love and care for us as a shepherd does for their sheep. And, Lord, you are the good shepherd. Lord, I'm thankful that you give us times of rest in green pastures. I'm thankful that you give us times of refreshment. Because, Father, there are those dark valleys that we have to pass through. Or those dark valleys that we experience. But, Lord, we know that on the other side, you will still be with us. And we thank you for that. Lord, we thank you for the love that you continue to show us. The love that you continue to bring into our lives. And Father, this morning, if we haven't experienced that love, and Father, this morning, if we haven't experienced you as a shepherd in our life, but we feel like you are distant, Lord, I just pray that you will make yourself real to us this week. Lord, may your Holy Spirit just draw us closer into your arms, as a loving shepherd would do for his sheep. Father, may we just seek your presence, and may we seek your loving arms. So, Father, over these next few minutes, as we continue in worship, I just pray that we celebrate.
the fact that we will get to sit at your table, Lord, as those enemies that have come against us will not have a seat, but yet we sit with you and enjoy the abundance of what you have. Father, I thank you for the love that you have for us, the daily care that you bring us. May we, over the next few minutes, just worship you for that and thank you for it. We give this time to you. May your Holy Spirit just stir in our hearts.